Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. Please watch us each Sunday morning at 9.30 for Pastor Jim's class or 10.35 for our worship service. Even better, join us in person. We promise that you will receive a warm welcome. For more information, please go to our website, gpindy.net. Now, let's join the service already in progress. shall be upon his shoulders his name shall be called wonderful counselor almighty god everlasting father and of his reign there will be no end and his kingdom is of majesty Splendor, His glory shines forever and ever. Almighty God, everlasting Father. Save us 
is born our counselor the mighty God the everlasting Father the Prince of Peace that reigns like no other because of him we are overcomers two thousand years since then one can still hear the angels joyful for us share the good news the news that God is with us in Bethlehem God's divine announcement glory to God in the
from the sky in the night to the earth below. You could have swept in like a tidal wave or an ocean to ravage our hearts. You could have come through like a roaring Things we've scarred, oh, but you came like a winter snow. You were quiet, you were soft and slow. Falling from the sky in the night to the earth below. Child. 
Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 and following. And it's kind of interesting. We see a lot of stuff at Christmas time. And a lot of times people, they thank you. A lot of people, they criticize for the materialism, uh, the entertainment, uh, everything about Christmas. And uh, I love all the stuff that's going on about that. But uh, really, there is a spiritual battle that's going on not only in the heart of believers, but also within Christendom itself. And there's a lot of fakery out there. Uh, there's a lot of things that's just not true. And we want to bring us in to realize uh, some of these truths. And one of them I see quite often is they always show the big statue of Mary with little baby Jesus, right? In a parade, it's usually her that's going down the street. And I remember the Godfather. How many of you remember that? The Godfather, and they got the statue of Mary going down there, putting money on it, you know. And uh, so I'm going to have Stan go down and pray. <laughs> I want you to pin money on him. But uh, there's a lot of counterfeit idolatry that goes on around Christmas time. And, uh, you know, anything that's good. Satan comes right behind it, and he does a counterfeit of it. And it's just not correct, right? 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13 again. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. And so out there, it's not the fellow in a red suit with a long tail and a pitchfork. Uh, he comes as an angel of light. He has the way. And uh, we see that quite a bit with the Church of Rome, don't we? Uh, we see quite a bit of that. Now Mary was a godly, humble, submissive girl to God's purpose, to God's plan. She had courage since she did know the scandalous accusations that would be coming her way because she's up pregnant and they knew her and Joseph hadn't been together. And so uh, a lot of this was coming her way, but she stood, she stood her ground there. Yet anything that goes beyond what the Bible says is not correct about Mary. Some say Mary... Uh, had an immaculate conception. In other words, she was redeemed from the moment of her conception. She was preserved, immune from any stain of original sin. 
As a matter of fact, that was declared by the Church of Rome in 1854 that Mary was this way. So they say she was sinless her whole life. Now my question would be, why then did God choose to have his son die on the cross? Why didn't he have Mary die on the cross? <laughs> you know, it sort of makes Christ's sacrifice a little lesser because there was somebody before him that was sinless if Mary were sinless. Of course, she's not. To say she became the cause of salvation herself for all the human race, and that's what's being said. They're saying death through Eve, life through Mary. And by the way, uh, I've, I've had three sisters that were formerly Catholics, and so I know quite a bit about it, and it's a family thing also in my own life. But to say that Mary is the one who has life, that actually, and she's the cause of salvation, that's actually blasphemous. It's only God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in the council in eternity past that purposed and planned for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And so that's very, very important for us. Mary herself said this in Luke 1, 47. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Lifting up, she's not God, but if she is who they say she is, why did she need a Savior? You know, the Bible says if we deny our sin, uh, we make God a liar uh, because he says we have sin. Also, it's said that Mary was not necessary in the sense of the way Christ was necessary, the sinlessness of Mary. And by the way, the reason she was not necessary was God outside of man created a body and blood separate from humankind for the person of Jesus Christ. And God created this body and blood spoke it into existence, into place in the womb of Mary. The reason I say he spoke that into existence in place there because there are some people who crudely say the Holy Spirit raped Mary in order for her to have a, a child. That's not true. He said it, created it, and it was there. It's just that simple. Amen? Christ's body was untainted by Mary's blood. Since God has his father, he had no need of a biological father. The sin nature passed from Adam to father to father to father to father. And since Jesus had no earthly father, he was separate. He was spared a sinful nature. The Holy Ghost can even work in sinners, but also in believers who sin. David, Peter, John Mark. So Mary really didn't have to be sinless to do God's work, did she? When discussing soul salvation in Romans, probably the greatest book written on salvation, 
It's interesting. Paul never mentions Mary one time. Only one time did Paul even mention Mary, and he didn't mention her by name. He said, woman. That's what he said. Some say Mary was the mother of God. Now, they get this from when Elizabeth, when Mary came to Elizabeth, Elizabeth found out that Mary was pregnant, of course. She said, she's the mother of my Lord. And so they say that's similar, that makes her God. But let me say this, Mary did not give birth to divinity, divineness, nor God, but only to Jesus' humanity. Not the Son of God, Jesus' humanity. To say she's the mother of God would mean she existed before God. Hello? That would make her God, wouldn't it? And then, now get this, and then who would be God's father? If God had a mother, who's God's father? It makes no sense. God the Son existed long before Mary did, but he existed as a spirit. When born humanly, Jesus didn't lose his deity he maintained it always, but he added sinless humanity to himself when placed in Mary's womb. Hebrews 10.5 says this, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, now get this, but a body hast thou prepared me. Acts 4.34, it says this, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of what? Thy holy child, Jesus. Also, Mary needed to be sinless in her conception to bear a sinless Christ. That means her mother, Anne, A-N-N-E, that meant she, her mother, would have needed to be sinless to bear a sinless Mary. Then Mary's mother's mother <laughs> also would need to be sinless. And it's an unending cycle, isn't it? And then Joseph would be the stepfather of God. Think that through. It's all just crazy. To say Mary is equal with God is idolatry. It states Isaiah 44, 6. He says this, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. He's the only one, none other. Now how do people perceive her this way? Well, I got some, these are out of the Church of Rome's uh, own writings. Now, just pick up on some of these things. So that at the command of Mary, all obey, even God. And thus, God has placed the whole church under the domination of Mary. Mary is also the advocate of the whole human race, for she can do what she wills with God. Then they say this, we often more quickly obtain what we ask by calling on the name of Mary. 
Then they say, the whole trinity, O Mary, gave thee a name above every other name, that at thy name every knee should bow of things in heaven and earth and under the earth. Doesn't that sound like Philippians chapter 2 for the person of Christ? I believe it does. And then it says, on the third day after Mary's death, when the apostles gathered around her tomb, they found it empty. The sacred body had been carried up to the celestial paradise. Jesus himself came to conduct her hither to take her to heaven. The whole court of heaven came to welcome with songs of triumph the mother of the divine Lord. Uh, and so on and so on. And I have a lot there just by what their own quotes. And when you stop and you think about this, why did she have to die then? On the third day, the only reason a person dies is because of sin. Amen? Sin, death, sin brings death. So it's saying she actually sinned, and so they're completely wrong on that. But notice some things that I, I, I wrote down. I think that's good. After Acts 1.14, they met in Anne. Not the, but an upper room. They're praying, waiting for the Spirit of God. No one, after Acts 1.14, no one mentions Mary as the mother of Jesus. Peter, James, John, and our apostle Paul never called her mother of God, never called her mother of Jesus in all of their New Testament writings. Isn't that interesting? Jesus never called her blessed mother, nor virgin, nor queen of heaven. He simply addressed her as, as woman, as woman. John 2, 4 says this, Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. That's when he turned the water and wine. And then in John 19, 26 on the cross, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, what? Woman. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He didn't say mom. He says, he says woman. He never praised Mary he never indicated she was sinless, nor even that she was different from any other human God used in history. I believe it could be that because of his omniscience, he knew in history what was coming down the pike, the idolatry of Mary. A lady begins to praise Jesus' mom, Mary, with special devotion. Notice what happens, Luke eleven twenty seven, And it came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted her up, you know, lifted her up, up lifted up her, uh, up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb, Mary, that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. And Jesus immediately counteracts this, but he said, Yea, rather than that, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. 
Jesus didn't agree with her. He didn't say amen. He was saying, don't single her out for special attention, but recognize all those who trust in God, they're blessed. The wise men in Matthew 2, 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. Now that's important. They fell down and worshiped him. They gave gifts for him. They did not praise Mary. The angels, when they announced, they praised him and said nothing about Mary. The shepherds, when they came to Jesus upon leaving, they rejoiced and never once did they praise Mary. A couple extra things here. After Jesus was born, Mary followed the law. Notice Leviticus 12. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the Lord, of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest. And then notice, who shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for, to get forgiveness of sins for her? And she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath born a male or female. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. Now that's interesting to me. Notice Luke 2.24 after Christ's birth. To offer, she came to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So that tells me she offered one turtle dove for her surrender to God's will and the second turtle dove was for a sin offering. Whose sin offering was it for? It was for hers. She was unclean. She needed an atonement in a sense. So it was for her. She's not sinless. Then the word teaches that Mary had a normal married life and kids after Christ's birth. You know, I said that to my sister many years ago. And she said, oh, that's not true. That's not true. I said, well, it is. It's in the Bible. She said, it's not in the Bible. Matthew 13, 54. And when he was come into his own country, taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter, Joseph's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, plural? Wait a minute. He had at least six to seven brothers and sisters. Mark 6, 3. 
Is not this the carpenter's son of the Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters? And then Psalm 69, 8. I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. Hello? That's about Christ. She had other children. Luke 2, 7. And she brought forth her, what? What does firstborn mean? It implies that others are to follow. She's the first. Others are to follow. Isn't that amazing? Matthew 1, 24, 25. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till. Didn't know her intimately, physically, till she had brought forth her firstborn, others expecting, son. And they called his name Jesus. That till there means that Mary knew Joseph intimately, physically, after Jesus' birth. I started to say birthday. After Jesus' birth. Paul, our apostle, says Galatians 1.19. And we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel, and uh, go on, let him be accursed. That's not the one I wanted. It's 19, guys. Uh, uh, pull up, thank you. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Thank you, man. The Lord's brother. Mary was not sinless. Mary didn't have an immaculate conception. She was just a normal girl who loved God. We should always remember that biblically, Mary was a wonderful believer who showed tremendous faith, submission, obedience to what God was saying to her. Mary was a blessed Jewish woman who knew prophecy. Mary was rewarded because of her faith to be privileged to birth Israel's Messiah that had been prophesied for all those years. Her faith was rewarded and Mary should always be honored as a good godly example. Amen. Don't want to take that away from her, but we're never to hold her to a cult-like idolatry that is promoted by many within Christendom. Now, don't forget this, what I say here. The birth of Christ is about Christ. Amen? The birth of Christ is about Christ, God's Son. This Son taking on human flesh so that he eventually went to a cross and died and shed his blood and rose three days later from the grave. He alone, no help needed, he alone died for our sins. He alone rose from the grave for our justification. God says to us, we talk about gifts, God says to us in Romans 5, 8, 
but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because of God's love, he sent us the greatest gift ever. He says in chapter 6, verse 23 of Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. What a gift Christ has given. I, I love the manger scene right below the cross up here. I, I, he was born in the shadow of the cross, was he not? Huh? He was. And he's given us this gift. Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Christ's coming and finished work, his death, burial, and resurrection, is an unspeakable gift. Unspeakable. It means it's too wonderful for words. Unspeakable. It's beyond human vocabulary. It's an indescribable gift, Paul is saying to us. As a matter of fact, if we focus on that gift, the rest of the gifts of Christmas kind of fade away, don't they? This gift is larger than life itself. Creation was phenomenal, but not indescribable. A universal flood was impossible, but not indescribable. Destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was frightening. Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son was remarkable. Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt was fantastic. Crossing the Red Sea was magnificent. Building of the tabernacle was impressive. Building of the temple was amazing. David's killing the giant was shocking. The prophets prophesying was mind-boggling. Just eight prophecies fulfilled the one Astrologists put together the chances of that would be like surrounding the earth in quarters five miles deep all around the world and marking one mixed there somewhere around the world five miles deep and a, you have a person who's blindfolded and you get him to come around and his first pick is that coin. Chances are impossible. Even the preserving of Scripture was astonishing, but not indescribable. But when we come to the gift, we don't have words. It is indescribable. Even for the Apostle Paul, only the gift that God gave his son to come, be born, live a sinless life on a cross, die for our sins, be buried and rise again, is indescribable. It's unspeakable when you investigate it. And the question comes, why did he give us this gift? We were in darkness. We didn't have any light. We couldn't communicate, had no spiritual eyes to be able to see the things of God. We were dead in sin, meaning we had no life of God in us to communicate with him. We were depraved beings. We were controlled by the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
And because we were darkened, dead, and depraved, because of that, we were going straight to hell. That's where we were going. But this indescribable gift then that God purposed a long time ago was given to mankind if man would believe. We sing the old song sometimes, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. That's eternity. That's when this whole plan of this indescribable gift was decided upon before the world was ever created. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. That's the nativity. That's the unspeakable in a sense that how could God become human flesh? Who would be willing to steep that low, born of a virgin, without sin? Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span. That's Calvary. The span between God and man was so great, but because of the cross, he has brought together to restore the relationship between God and man if man would believe that gospel. All of it wrapped up in God's plan to give his son to save us. I say to you this morning, don't ever get over the thrill of that truth. Don't ever forget it. Be ashamed of it. That's why I believe Paul said it's unspeakable. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Even though I can't explain it in its fullness, I'm not ashamed of it. It has the power of God and the salvation to those that will believe. And that's us. Philippians 2.5 says this, and I close. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You're not stealing something that belongs to you. He's God. The Father says in Hebrews 1.8, Thy throne, O God, he calls the Son, God. What a, it's just hard to comprehend sometimes. But made himself of no reputation. He didn't come as a king with all the power to do away with man. And took up on him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's unspeakable. How can we grasp that? Why would God do all of that? It's indescribable. He became the God-man for us. And because he did that, the Father honored him. The Father says in verses 9 through 11, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, not Mary, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I noticed the individual people during the Christmas story when they came to realize what God was doing somewhat, that prophecy was being fulfilled, Messiah was coming, and so on. 
They surrendered to that. And they called him Lord. They bowed to that. They worshipped it. And this Christmas, it's my prayer that we don't forget him. He's done something that's unspeakable. How in the world can we forget that? We get wrapped up with everything else, but in the midst of it, at least pause and stop. Read the Christmas story this year. Have a birthday cake. Sing happy birthday to Jesus. Do something in the midst so you can always maintain a proper perspective of what Christmas is all about. Amen. Amen. And I believe God will bless you. Father, we love you. Thank you for Christ, our Savior, the only true God there is. And Father, there's no other God beside you. And as we see, we have seen Satan work and create idols for people to follow rather than follow you. God, thank you for your word that allows us to be straight, to be correct, and that this Christmas we will truly remember what it is truly about. Your purpose began to be fulfilled by your sending your only son, and you birthed him in a very humble, godly lady, and he came to being. What a life he lived. What a sacrifice he gave. What a resurrection he conquered. God, may we always have that in our hearts, that indeed he was born in the shadow of the cross. Be with our people. Give them a wonderful week of happiness and merry. And even if they don't have a gift to give or have, may they understand they've been given the greatest gift they could ever receive in the person of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's service. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpindy.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. For more options to watch, just click On Demand on the website. Until next broadcast, may God bless you is our prayer.